Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here at Frisco East. Uh, Obviously, I hope that you will be in prayer for the tragedy in Buffalo that happened uh, yesterday. It's insane that these things happen. But can we just, as a church, pray for those families, for that community who's suffering, who's hurting, and may God's peace be there. Um, Good news for you today. So two weeks ago, Blake Walker, my good friend from the West Campus, volunteer here at Hope, volunteer at Phased In, a ministry that takes phased out children in foster care in. In, In this particular home that we were talking about in Arlington is for girls, Girls who have reached the age of 18 and are out of foster care and on their own. The trauma that's happened in their lives, the potential trauma, and and then what's ahead. So this is a transition home to help them understand what are their next steps. So we raised money for that, and their need was great. We went to look at this facility and had a check in our hands for $5,000, you know, which is a lot of money. But when we saw the need, we were like... This is not going to work. Church, you raised $208,000 for this home. $200,000. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, every campus, every person. If you weren't able to give, thank you for your prayers and for even being, being interested perhaps in serving or volunteering. There's many ways to be involved, but want to say thank you. Today, a brand new series, so excited, I love, this is one of my favorite things to teach on. We're going to talk about our relationship with the Holy Spirit, and and the, the, the series is called Help is Here. Now, why would we title... Uh, this series that? Well, it's found in John chapter 16, verse 7, and here's what Jesus said. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So even Jesus says, hey, listen, it's better that I go away, because if I go away, I'm going to send you the helper, your helper. Now, they're looking at it as he's going to come. We look at it as he's here. He says help is on the way, now we have help is here, and how do we navigate uh, our relationship with the Holy Spirit? Many, many of us never really consider or perhaps think about what does it mean to walk with the Spirit? For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about our relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and how it is that we can walk with Him every day. Jesus promised at the end of his ministry, so, so in John 16, which we just read, well, in 13, John 13 was, was the Last Supper, the Passover where he washed their feet and he told them, hey, love one another, and then he would be arrested. But he told them in chapter 16, at the end of his ministry, kind of last-minute instructions, he says, listen, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I am going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and it's better that I leave so that the helper can come, then he would be crucified, then he would be resurrected, and in between his resurrection and his ascension, he would spend a number of days here on this earth, most of them talking to his disciples, giving them instructions. 
And in Acts chapter one, we find the most important instruction he would give, and that is this. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't go start a church. Don't go on a mission trip. Don't do anything until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there is a phrase that is used in the, in the, in the church world, baptism with the Holy Spirit, or baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus says, I want you to wait, I want you to, to, to wait for the promise that I've told you about. Remember, I've talked to you about this. He's gonna guide you into all truth. He's gonna convict the world of sin and all those things that, we, that he's talked to them about. Now I want you to wait for that promise. So what would happen? Well, the next chapter, Acts 2, here's what would happen. Verse one. On the day of Pentecost, well, so, so Pentecost would be 50 days after the Passover, so now we are, Jesus had this Passover meal in John 13 with his disciples. And then 50 days from that time would be the festival of Pentecost. So we're talking 50 days after that time period of, of the crucifixion, resurrection. Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, <clears throat> there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. <clears throat> and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's that line that we're gonna talk about. Filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That's what we wanna to get to the bottom of in this series over the next few weeks. Many, many, I would say, churches ignore this passage altogether because of the, the controversial line where it says they all spoke in another language. Or they spoke in, the King James calls it tongues. And, and you Baptists get really nervous when we start talking. When you even mention tongues, it's like, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, it's just another language. That's all it is. King James translated it tongues. It's really, they were given the supernatural ability to speak in another language. However, because of that, and because perhaps of the excesses of the use of that gift, many have ignored this passage altogether. Now, on the other side of the track, you have people who have hijacked this verse to only mean one thing. And I want to give you the correct interpretation of this passage, in my opinion, all right? In my opinion, has a lot of weight around here, at least. All right, so what we want to do is unpack this baptism with the Holy Spirit filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, over the years, I mean, for 22 years, I've taught on this, I mean, a lot, I try to come up with different ways to, to help us understand our relationship with the Holy Spirit so that at the, at the, when I leave this room time period, when I get into my car and I go about my week, what can I take away from this? Because what I don't want you to have is just a theological understanding of where I am at. 
or where hope is. I want you to have practical steps with this third person of the Godhead in which Jesus says, it's better that I go away. Jesus, it's better that I go away so that you will be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're gonna walk with the Holy Spirit. You're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what could that possibly mean? I wanna give you in this graphic what I think this means because I think it's bigger than what I was raised with. I think it's bigger than what maybe some of us thought it is or think it is. And I, and I certainly don't want to ignore it as if it only existed for Acts 2. So somewhere in the middle, I, bring, I hope to bring unity to our church and to the body of Christ when we talk about this, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So here's the graphic, filling with the Holy Spirit. So think of your life or the filling of the Spirit, this is your life, and all that it brings, the baptism, the day of Pentecost, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, what could that possibly bring? Because this would be the beginning or the birthing of the church, the birthing of the, the age or the, or the dispensation of grace, where it's no longer under the law. When Jesus was on this earth, they were under the law. The disciples were under the law. Until he rose from the, the grave, they were under the law. Now would begin, on this day of Pentecost, a whole nother dispensation of new covenant, which the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit would come. What could this possibly mean? The first, I think it's regeneration. We're going to talk about each of these. I'm going to give them to you, and then we're going to talk about two of them today. Regeneration, the spiritual birth, the disciples, Old Testament, from the disciples back, nobody Nobody had been filled with the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit had come upon many. Holy Spirit came upon leaders, came upon kings, came upon Samson, came upon different uh, people as they spoke or as they did miraculous things. But this would be the first indwelling of the Holy Spirit for every believer. There's a spiritual birth. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then there's this guide or leadership of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he, he will lead you. He will guide you. And then there is the gifts and the power to be a witness that happened on that day of Pentecost. And then lastly, the transformation, that the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit from glory to glory, this metamorphosis, metamorpho, the Greek word in that, he, the Holy Spirit, is transforming as if we are that little little caterpillar in that chrysolite, and we are being changed into the image of Jesus. That transformation is an ongoing work. So when I think of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I don't think of it as just one thing on the list. It is an entirely encompassing work of the Spirit of God in our hearts from the day of Pentecost until the end. So today, let's start with regeneration. And I'm going to give you a ton of scriptures. We'll just talk about this, and we're going to talk about guidance and leadership. And then next week, I'll talk about gifts, power to be a witness, and then the third week, transformation. Today, uh, regeneration. Let's talk about that. So when we talk about regeneration, this is this, the, this theological understanding where we are changed from the inside out. 
We're not conforming the outside to the law. We're not, in other words, we're not performing, we're not uh, you know, uh, trying to atone, uh, uh, achieve God's favor or forgiveness because of what we do on the outside, but it is a work of the Spirit on the inside. It's, it's a regeneration of what, Jesus, or what God meant in the garden. This, this fellowship, this, this closeness, the Holy of Holies when Jesus was on the cross was torn in two. So no longer are we, um, are, are we like, oh, can I go in? Can I go in? What song should I sing? Do I have to do something special? No, no, no. The Holy, we, are now have, we now have access to the presence of God at any moment, any time. So when we sing, so in other words, when we sing and, and we're singing, you move the mountains, and we're like, yeah, 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 this is great. The Holy Spirit is not falling in this room. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's already here. That's right. The Holy Spirit is not waiting for us to sing the right song in the right key in order for him to move. He's here. He's here. He's in us. He's among us. So when we think of regeneration, let me go through Titus. Let me go to Titus chapter three. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, which is Jesus, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. So in other words, it's not because we kept the law or we were good. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So that's how we're made right with God. The Holy Spirit comes in, renews us, transforms us immediately and then ongoing, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So there's this understanding that the re regeneration of the Holy Spirit is the birthing, is the indwelling, is the filling of the guarantee or the seal of God for us unto salvation. And it's the regenerating work, it's that spiritual birth that on that day of Pentecost, more happened than just they witnessed, or more happened than they just spoke in another language, more happened than they're just praying. The all-encompassing filling of the Spirit would begin to transform the lives of every single believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all, listen to this, been baptized into one body by one spirit. So we're not baptized into a divided, go, go back to that. We're not divided, we're not baptized into a divided body. We're not baptized into a divided spirit. We are all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So it's not like we have one side over here saying, we got spirit, yes we do. We got spirit, how about you? And then this side over here going, we don't know what you're talking about. But you're weird, so we don't want that. See, what I think the, the, what I think the Lord does is, is, is not promoting division. Like, hey, we're, we're more filled than you are, or whatever. This is baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and we believed in him, we were sealed 
with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus. I read this a few weeks ago. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit. In my understanding, I could be wrong. This is the natural birth versus spiritual birth. Natural birth, water, spiritual birth. Humans can only produce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So there's this regeneration of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that begins this salvation, the birth into the, or the baptism, or the, the, the baptism into the body of Christ. We are one in this. We all share the same spirit. There's one baptism. My hope is that, that we could walk in a unity for the body of Christ. So that, in other words, we're not saying to that church over there or the group of people over there that we're more spiritual or we're better or we're even more powerful because it's one spirit and we share that spirit. So what happened on the day of Pentecost? Salvation. For the first time, the Holy Spirit of God would take residence in the heart of every believer and it would change their life. And it's changed our lives. Now, that's the first segment. The second is that of direction or guidance or leadership. You can go, yeah, guidance and leadership. Now, this is where I want to camp out just for a bit because this is where it's, it's less of a well, it's, it's theological, and, and I want you to get it in your head, but I want you to be able to walk out of here with, what does this mean to me today? How do I, how do I walk with the Spirit today? Not some emotional experience that I received at one time, which is not bad. I'm not saying that's bad. But <clears throat> how can I walk in this filling? How can I walk with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So when the Holy Spirit comes, which now he has come, he will lead us into all truth. There's a spiritual or a theological component to this. Then there's a practical component. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what Paul says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So the Holy Spirit's going to guide us into truth, theological truth, understanding of our relationship with the Father, understanding of our relationship with Jesus and what he taught. And then there's this leading or guiding our lives. Let's read on then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. You ever notice that about your life sometimes? You ever know what to do is right, and then you find yourself doing the wrong thing? Am I the only one? Okay, that's fine. (laughs) You guys are liars. We all do. We all do. We all have these good intentions that we want to, okay, we want to do the right thing. And with the limited amount of knowledge that you may have, but you want to do the right thing, but you find yourself in this conflict. That's called the sinful nature. We all deal with it. 
So let me read it again. So I say, the Holy, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives as opposed to the sinful nature guiding our lives. So let's stay with me. The sinful nature wants to do evil, <clears throat> which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, spirit side, flesh side, or sinful nature side. We're just constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. There's this understanding that when you are led by the sinful nature, when we are led by our sinful nature, it's going to lead us another direction. We're led by the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. We're going to be led to an entirely different area, an entirely different direction. So there are choices that we have to make. So if you look at it, put that graphic uh, on that screen, the, the circle of those two regeneration and uh, guidance, I'm sorry. So think of regeneration as totally, completely white. It's just filled up to the brim, okay? This whole quadrant is filled, full of the Holy Spirit. Think of this one, at di in my mind, this is how I think of it, at different levels, depending on our surrender. Have there been times in our lives when we have, we have felt more led by the Spirit, more walking with the Spirit, and then there are times in our lives when we feel like, I am off the rail, right? Well, depending on our level of surrender to the leadership, that's why Paul over and over says, hey, hey, keep in step with the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Because there is this understanding that we can be led also by our sinful nature. So let's go back to that scripture. Sorry, back there. But thank you for, for being patient with me. Let's go to that same scripture, Galatians chapter 5, and let's read on. Verse 16, yeah. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intention. Let's go to verse 19. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, so let's, let's just see what happens. If we, if we just surrender to the sinful nature, like, you, know, you know what, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just, you ever, don't raise your hands. You ever been there? You've been like, I'm just gonna do it. Just gonna, I'm just going all in. I'm just gonna, whatever, whatever the thing is. Here are the results, listen, that are very clear. Sexual immorality, and I could, we could talk about that forever, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Oh, now we're getting into the Christian ones, <laughs> right? You have the non-Christian ones, supposedly. Now it's all Christian, you know, type of thing. Anyway, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, drunkenness. And, oh, I'm sorry, I already read that. And wild parties and other, uh, wild parties, wild parties. And other sins like these. And the reason I bring this up, the reason I bring this up, is because I think in our area, there is this kind of license that we feel because of grace that we can just kind of do whatever we want to. And we liquor it up on the weekends and 
do things and say things and, and do, that I, that I, listen, I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm just saying that it's unhealthy. And in my opinion, for what it's worth, I feel like we, in a lot of ways, are being led by our sinful nature. We're, we're being, we're, we're just, we're allowing the surrender level of the leader guide in our lives to be very low, and we're just doing what we want. And at some point, it's going to catch up. Not because God's mad at you, not because of, the, it's just nat, It's nature. Those things have a way of catching up with us. And so my heart, my hope is that we would say, what if I allowed that quotient or that, that segment of my life of the filling of the Holy Spirit to be way higher than the leadership of the sinful nature? Verse 25 of Galatians. <clears throat> Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of of our lives. So the, this understanding that, that the Holy Spirit wants to lead, not control you for um, manipulative purposes, not, not, not lead you for selfish purposes, but the Holy Spirit, let him lead in every part of your life because that's where God's will is. And if we want to live in the center of God's will, there is no way to do that unless we follow the leading, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Notice the stark difference in the disciples before day of Pentecost, after day of Pentecost. And I'm not just talking about the, the power and the tongues and the witness. I'm just talking about the leadership of their lives for the rest of their lives. You go through the book of Acts. Holy Spirit led them. Holy Spirit led them. Holy Spirit led them. Holy Spirit stopped them. That's leadership. And depending on our surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit will determine where we are with the center of God's will. Now, a way in which to think about this <clears throat> is most of us have smartphones, and on that smartphone, uh, you're gonna have Google Maps, or you're gonna have Waze, you're gonna have Maps, or some kind of a GPS, right? And in, in the early days of my ministry, when I'd go visit, I lived here in, in uh, Irving, and. Uh, from 87 to 90, I went to hospitals one day a week. That was my day to go to hospitals, and we all over the Metroplex. We had a pretty large church, and so on that day, I would go to hospitals. And you'd ever heard of those Mapco things, the little book back because this is in the 80s, right? There was there was no. It was either I call the hospital, and I remember doing this in my office. I would call and say, "Hey, uh, the operator, there, could you give me? I'm coming from Irving." I'm coming from 183. Could you help me understand? And then she would go, well, take 635 and you know, whatever. And, and I would write it down and I would hopefully find the hospital. It was a bummer, right? Because I, I mean, I turned around so many times and I went to the wrong, the wrong direction or whatever. But even these days, now we have maps that have GPS, right? And it's a little easier. But let's just say you gave me tickets 
to the Mavs game when they go to the finals. Let's just say that somebody here in this church would give their pastor a ticket to the Mavs game if they go to the finals. All right, pray for them today. But I know how to get to the American Airlines Center in downtown Dallas. You do not have to tell me how to get there. Okay? But when I go, guess what I do? I get my phone out, hook it up to Apple CarPlay on my truck. And, and so because there might be a wreck down south on the tollway. Never happens here in Dallas, but there could be a wreck on the tollway. And it would tell, hey, you know, you know what? Go this way because it's gonna save you 15 to 20 minutes. Now, I know how to get to where I'm going, but I'll put that American Airlines Center in my GPS and it will tell me the best or, or the, uh, the, the quickest way to get to where I'm going. Now, here, listen, when you follow the Holy Spirit, it may seem counterintuitive to follow that direction. Because how many have ever put in something and you're traveling along and it tells you, exit here. So if I'm going down the south on the tollway from here and it says exit 121, I'm not doing that. That's taking me south. That's taking me west. I don't want to do that. I want to go this way. And how many of us have done that? We have said, the, the GPS says turn, and we're like, that's not right. <laughs> Straight. And guess what? Five minutes later, 30-minute pile up. Or not pile up, but, but back up. And it's like, I should have turned. Many of us, listen, look at me. This is what it's like when you follow the Holy Spirit. It may seem like that's going to be the long way. It may seem that, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust this thing. Now, most of the time you can. Now, there are times they go crazy. I know that. So don't send me an email about that. I already know that, okay? However, when we follow the Holy Spirit, listen to me. Everybody look at me. He's never wrong. He's never wrong. So in your marriage, in your decision-making in business, in major decisions, even minor decisions, why would we not just stop and say, and maybe you've never said this, Holy Spirit, would you lead us in the right way? He's God. It's not like you can't talk to him. It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's off limits to talk to the Holy Spirit. No. Holy Spirit, would you light, lead me? Would you guide me? What if we did that about everything, every major decision, every business deal, every lunch that you had that was, you know, kind of talking about a direction that your business might take or that your life might take, a marriage, a, a proposal, a college decision, what if we just said, Holy Spirit, would you, I'm gonna stop right now. Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you lead me? Would you put, you, would you put roadblocks in front of me? Would you help me to under, somehow, some way, would you help me to understand 
Now, there are times in which the Holy Spirit will say, well, it's in his word. You don't have to ask me. It's in his word. Just do what his word says. Does that make sense? But there are also times where there's some things that, you know, I don't know if I should make this deal with this person. I don't know if I should marry this person. I don't know if I should make, go to that college. I don't know if I should, whatever, fill in the blank. What if we just stopped and said, Holy Spirit, Jesus said that you would be my leader, that you would guide me not unto only theological truth, but you would guide me in every part of my life. Help me to see the steps that are ordered by the Lord. What if we did that? This week, I encourage you to live your life a little bit different. I encourage you to stop for a second. And I'm not talking about directions to the American Airlines Center. I'm talking about life stuff. Holy Spirit, help me to understand. Help me to know which way to go. Because when we follow our own way, I can tell you, you're headed for disappointment. You're headed for stuff that you never thought you would be a part of, right? Or when you go the Holy Spirit way, it may seem counterintuitive, but it will actually lead you right to the perfect will of God. So Lord, we ask that your word would help us navigate our relationship with the Holy Spirit as we study this for the next three weeks, that, that it would not be something we stay away or shy away from. It would be something that we, we choose and long to understand. How do we best walk with the Holy Spirit? Now, for those in the room that are believers that need to stop before a business deal, stop before a major decision, pray that you'd bring it to their remembrance this week. For those that have never surrendered to Jesus, to what he did on the cross, I pray that today would be the day. Holy Spirit, you would do the work in our hearts, knocking on our door, convicting us of sin, our sin, and leading us to the truth. Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.